Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. All right, all right. Well, well. This is Trevor Dion Nicholas, and you're listening to the Theater Podcast. I'm here as Nick Fury signing off. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. This episode with Trevor Dion Nicholas is by far, I think, one of my most favorite I've had simply because not only is he a really cool guy and really fun to talk to, but it's talking about the return of live theater. This is coming back. We can sort of see a light at the end of the tunnel here, which is really, really amazing. He's hosting one of the first live shows to return to the West End since COVID shut everything down, which you can view right now at youtube.com slash the shows must go on. It's plural shows. It benefits the theater support fund, which was set up on the West End to help Artists and performers out there just keep the lights on. And, and as we all know, there have just been no work. So some people had a really hard time paying the bills. They've raised tons and tons of money. So head over there right now. Go check out that. It's an amazing collection of performances from all of the shows that have been on the West End. 18 of the biggest musical numbers, actually, to be specific. You can watch it free until June 13th. Trevor's story, personally, we get into that, of course. His story is amazing. He made his Broadway debut in Aladdin here in New York, which brought him to London, where he found, as he calls it, his second home. He's been there for several years, loves it out there, wants to stay out there, has got a wonderful, wonderful story to tell, and I'm going to let him tell it. So, everybody, find me online on Instagram and Twitter, theater underscore podcast, or on Facebook at slash official theater podcast. And now, everybody, please enjoy this episode with Trevor Dion Nicholas. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here you go. One, two, three. Today's award-winning guest made his Broadway debut in Aladdin and subsequently originated the role of Genie when the production opened on the West End. He has TV and film credits that include The Americans, one of my favorite shows, and the forthcoming release of Aladdin Live from the West End on Disney+. Plus. When theater reopens in London, he'll return to Hamilton as the leader of the pack, George Washington. But he can be seen right now hosting The Show Must Go On live at the Palace Theater, which is available online right now through June 13th to benefit the Theater Support Fund. Trevor, Dion Nicholas, welcome to the Theater Podcast. What is up? Thank you, thank you, Alan. Nice to, nice to virtually meet you. 
<laughs> exactly. Yes, uh, we were just talking about that before we were we were recording. It's like every, it's just like uh, like online dating, right? Yeah. Everyone's yeah, yeah. been seeing each other and and getting to know each other, and then we COVID's been lifting, and we're like, do we do we touch each other now? Because we do can. We hug, do, do we, we hug? Like do we, we lean into the elbow bump <laughs> that seems to still be the the, the main socially uh, acceptable form of greeting these days? Yeah, it's right, a good question mark. Right. <laughs> well, I want to I want to real quick dive into this mm-hmm. and and talk about the show must go on, uh, which is uh, it, so w- this episode is coming out June eighth, twenty twenty one, and you've already had a couple shows. Actually, all the shows are done, and uh, this is available now se- uh, up until this coming Sunday um, on their YouTube channel. Yeah, and that will be in the show notes and whatnot. So everybody go check that out. But I want to just get started because. The the theater support fund. I was looking that up because this is a UK specific thing that to mm-hmm. me seemed. Well, okay, explain it in your own words. What is the theater support fund? What is this the show? The whole about? thing is the the whole show is about uh, as as everything shut down. Um, it, it was it was uh, it was terrifying. It was terrifying for the whole industry, and that's been globally. And so in May of 2020, um, uh, Chris Marcus and and Damian Stanton. Uh, began the creation of the theater support fund and the idea of finding a way to raise money to help these people in the industry who uh, who have been left out in the cold. Uh, a lot of people, a large majority of people here in the UK, uh, especially in the entertainment industry, were left without any government support. Um, there was no there was no unemployment for us to to, to ask for. Uh, myself included. And so we were left very much out in the cold. And so the the idea of the theater support fund was to start providing support for people through the whole industry, not just the actors on stage, but people backstage, uh, people in orchestras all over so that there was uh, there was some help when we needed it our most. And so I guess the equivalent, so this is all uh, in the London, the West End. Uh, mm-hmm. So that region out there. So in, in, in the, in the, I guess on Broadway uh, out here, I'm trying to have the equivalent. So I guess it's it's the Actors Fund, right? Um, yeah. In a way, because the Actors Fund, the Actors Fund is more it's it's been more established and it mm-hmm. has more mm-hmm. like legal assistance and yes. and greater things. But they kind of pivoted when COVID hit to raise money and help just keep people's lights on. Exactly, exactly. Keep people in their homes. Keep people's families fed. Keep people safe and and through these. I mean, it's been more than a year it's been more than a year we lost a year of yeah not just revenue but of of sense of self and so like the what the what the actors fund was able to do and what the theater support fund has been aiming to do is to to uh rebuild that for 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 people and so it's it's a lot of it it's just been a struggle like it's really been a struggle it's been a struggle all over i don't think anyone has come out of this last 15 months now um without some some new some new scars and some new uh, some new wear and tear, but uh, we're still here. We're still here, and we put and we put on a show, a show like you ain't never seen before. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, actually, do do tell us because I, I, I was about to read get into reading what this is. So the show must go on live at the Palace Theater. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to read read what was sent to me. The biggest celebration of musical theater this year with 18 of the biggest musicals in London West End, yep. all performing, including Tina, Dear Evan Hansen. Everybody's talking about Jamie, which I love. Why that mm-hmm. hasn't come to Broadway yet? I don't freaking know. Six Hamilton, Book of Mormon, Wicked, uh, Matilda, God, the Lion King, Prince of Egypt, Come From Away. The show go, must go on. How? And you are ho- you're one of the two hosts. Yes, I'm hosting so alongside you, like the legend that is Bonnie Langford. Like, and so Bonnie and I have been hanging out 
and like getting to do this together. We got to do this together. Like we got to present this thing together. We knew each other, but we'd never worked together. I can't, I couldn't imagine the situation where we would have been tossed into uh, a show together. Uh, but this has been such a phenomenal opportunity. And I'm, I'm, she's, she's got a big chunk of my heart. We've been having a blast. What is, how's this been for you to, to get, everyone together i feel like there's got to be some sort of catharsis between you and your mm. your colleagues right to come back mm. and just be mm. like holy crap guys we are performing again and this is streaming live yeah. and it's available to the world for free, for free. i want to add so youtube.com slash the show must go on i believe if that's <laughs> i'll edit that out if that's not correct <laughs> but uh check the show notes for the actual link but um i I'm so impressed with the number of people, the number of shows, the number of songs. I was just watching the trailer mm -hmm. for this thing, and it's just like hit after hit after hit, and putting it, it all together. Like, did everyone just come together and have a group cry at the first rehearsal? How did this work? Like, genuinely, genuinely, um, it has been it has been very emotional, and like, I feel like everybody's had their tears at different points. Uh, initially, so that that first performance. When Bonnie and I walked out on stage and we, because we, we were the first things that come out to open the show. We opened with a, with a brand new number written by Styles and Drew specifically for the show um, uh, with this full orchestra led by Stuart Morley. And it's like we're on stage with an orchestra, with an audience, a socially distanced audience, but with mm -hmm. an audience. And um, we step out there and you feel it. And it doesn't feel like just... It doesn't feel like you're just stepping in for a concert. You feel the emotion and the full draw, the, the, the catharsis that everyone is having, not just us, but the audience members as well, to be, as well, to be back in the theater, to be back um, engaging with art in this such a specific way, a way that's older than, older than most of our histories, the, the idea of presenting stories. Um, and, and we present them, we happen to be presenting them through song. Um, but it's something there's a there's a genuine magic in the air uh, in the palace theater. And it's like we've all had our we've had tears at different points. The thing that got me the first night was because um, we have this really nice presentation where uh, Carly Toms, who plays Miss Honey and Matilda, comes out with four Matildas and they and they do when I grow up. And that's the one that hit me. That was the one that hit me. And I was just like for these kids. There mm. is so much one that's the song of that show anyway. It's so there's so much uh, aspiration and there's so much the idea of dreams and like all these things and like especially us in the in the industry and those of us who love the industry, we tend to hold on to a lot of that childhood wonder that uh, that was developed at such a young age. And so that's the one where it really hit me, where I was just like, "Oh, I am, I'm a mess." I was, I was gushing. And so, <laughs> um, but this is remarkable. This is remarkable. Number one, the 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 league of talent that's in the building for all these shows, um, John Owen Jones, like staples of of British musical theater, coming and celebrating the return of it is uh, something unlike I've I've ever I've ever experienced before, and lucky lucky to be a part of, honestly. Oh, that that sounds amazing, and I think a never for an, an experience you're not going to forget. I I've got tickets to the reopening of of Moulin Rouge in yes, September here yes, in yes. Broadway, and and I've said this a lot of times in the last fifteen months. It's just like that the buzz. I I I'm imagining the the buzz and the excitement of everyone loading into the house mm -hmm. and expecting, and then that first downbeat. Just the whatever that is Listen. of when the orchestra hits, just the the 
serotonin, dopamine, and yeah. oxy, you know, all these releases, right, that are coming out of everyone's <laughs> brains. And they're like, storytelling is is back. And mm-hmm. I love it. But anyway, I I am super, super excited absolutely for all of this stuff. And that um, show, going into the Moulin Rouge reopening, it's going to be a party. Like, it's going to be a full-on party. Oh, there's oh. a reason I chose that show. That was a good choice. It was a good choice. That's the perfect time. <laughs> That's the perfect time for all the y'all that won't be there for that first Moulin Rouge show. I apologize. Still go check it out. But that first one's going to be lit. That's going to be the one. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so I want to uh, get to get to you personally, because mm-hmm. obviously you are in the UK right now. You yeah. are obviously hosting this thing. You're in the UK. Been having a great career out there. You don't have an accent. You're from West Virginia. I'm from You're, West by God, Virginia. Yes. So tell me your story. How did you grow up, get into theater, mm-hmm. and and make your way across the pond? Well, uh my my getting into theater is attributed very much to to my parents, Bobby and Doris Nicholas. My mother actually uh, passed very suddenly in January of this year, um, which has been a, a big hit for all of us as a family. Um, but it's very much her especially that, that really, really encouraged me to uh, turn what was a talent into a career and um, and take it professionally. My, my father was a singer for years until he retired. And so he was much more like maybe not the, uh, the entertainment industry, but as a kid, I was a pain in the ass kid. I, was, I never shut up. I never stopped running around. I never stopped presenting shows. I would take if any, anybody who's old enough to remember the comedian Gallagher, I would. Oh yeah. Uh, Watermelons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He would smash oh, the yeah. watermelons. So I, I love would, Gallagher. I loved Gallagher. <laughs> I loved Gallagher as well. Cause they would always play them like super late at night and I'd stay up and they'd play like two or three Gallagher standups. And I would memorize full Gallagher shows. Like I'd memorize the full <laughs> show. And then I would have my parents come down to the basement. And I was like, I'm going to present a show. And like they would watch them with me so they knew what was coming. And so I didn't smash a watermelon. But what I would do is take these little like pots of yogurt out and like place them. And I remember my, my mom saying, she's like, Trevor, don't do it. And I said, I'm going to clean it up. Don't worry. And so I <laughs> the hammer just covered my parents in yogurt. <laughs> And so they were like, they were very supportive, even of, and and I can't say I would have that same patience that they had with me. And I feel like it's difficult to, like, it's difficult to, when you have two parents who are active and are are so enthralled with their own lives for them to pour that much attention into a kid who clearly was craving that much attention. So, uh, they started out, they, my dad drove me down the hill to the, uh, uh, (laughs) <laughs> to uh, what at later became Morgantown Theater Company with Hillary Phillips, who I started my uh, theatrical education with. I was eight years old and um, put me into an improv class. And so we we created uh, works for the summer. Like we would just, and I was eight and there were some other kids, some of the older than me, and we would just create these works, these, these brand new, these brand new ideas and stuff. And I had this idea of like a, like I was super into horror movies as a kid. I still am. Like if you, you can't see on the floor, I have a massive, uh, a massive, uh, Michael Myers, uh, floor mat. And then I have a Jason Voorhees one over there as well. But I was obsessed with like horror movies as a kid. Cause I would watch them with my dad. And so I had this idea of like the ice cream man who like has been scorned by these kids and comes to hunt them while they're, while they're, uh, camping. <laughs> and so we, my first production uh, it with a theater company was the Ice Cream Man's Revenge, where I played the Ice Cream Man, Freddie Scooper, <laughs> Freddie Scooper, not Freddie Krueger. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I actually haven't thought about that till in forever. <laughs> this the specificity <laughs> of that memory, but um, that's kind of how it started. And then uh, Hillary was fantastic, and she she nurtured what I was trying to bring to the table, and was like, "Hey, 
we have this other program where we do musicals and stuff. And I'd always been a fan of the theater. My parents and I, we would listen to uh, cast recordings nonstop in the car. So like at this point, I had all of Cats, all of Les Mis, all of Phantom fully memorized. Um, because that's what we would do on long trips. That's what we would listen to. And so we would always drive up to Pittsburgh when tours were coming in. Um, we would go to, uh, to Broadway. We'd take the, the six hour drive up to Broadway to see shows when we could. Um, I was super into it. They were super into it. And so it just became, uh, as I started, I was like, Oh, Oh my God, I love this. I love this. And it's that, that moment of, of, uh, as an eight, nine year old kid being like, I think I found where I, where I fit. Um, and I kind of was lucky enough and was surrounded by the right people who kept uh, nurturing that as opposed to ever trying to like snub that out. And so especially growing up in West Virginia as a black kid, and I was, I was a big kid. I was the size of, a, of an adult before uh, a lot of kids my age. Um, and the expectation was, was sports. The expectation was football. Um, and that was never my thing. That was never my thing. And I was lucky to have especially in Morgantown, again, where the a lot of the focus in that town is on the sports because we have WVU is there and the big focus mm -hmm. is the Mountaineers and the football team, the basketball team. And like they get a lot of attention in the city. And it's, and it's wonderful. And it's wonderful that people enjoy it, but it wasn't for me. And I had parents who understood that and were willing to be like, well, it doesn't matter. Like we're, this is where, this is what you do well. And uh, we want to give you all the, all the ammunition we can to, to let you go as far as you, as you're able to. And I've been uh, very lucky, I feel, to, to, have, to have seen the places I've seen. I've performed in uh, Germany. I've performed in Japan. I've, of course, been on Broadway with Disney's Aladdin. Um, I've bounced around the countries in different shows. I, and I've gotten And Aladdin brought me here to London. And uh, my initial plan was to be here for a year or two years. I fell in love with it. Um, did the entire run of Aladdin here for three and a half years. We filmed mm -hmm. it. Still awaiting release, um, but we did film it. It looks incredible. It's we made something really magical and special with a cast, an international cast of Aladdin. With uh, uh, we really had a, a brand new version of the show that had never been assembled before because it was it was like a it was a the cast was chosen specifically to to make this this new version that we would film and present. Um, so I did that, and then I got I got to go into Hamilton, and it's like. I mean, everybody loves Hamilton and it's like, yeah, and I got to play George not? Washington and like, I'm like, it's been great. And I did that for five months and then everybody went home and everybody sat at home for a year. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy now to, uh, to be able to, to kind of, I, I won't say restart the journey, but continue the journey, continue the journey. I'm, I feel privileged and lucky to get to do that. Well, I, I, I want to say though that, that you've really done a good job of establishing yourself. I didn't realize that you hadn't been out there. Mm -mm. I, I guess I thought you'd been out there longer because you've got a lot of stuff with, with BBC mm -hmm. and you've got some video game voiceover credits because yeah. I actually want you to give me the Nick Fury voice here. In a second. <laughs> but, uh, but for, let's see, Lego Marvel Superheroes 2, the video yep. game, you do the Nick Fur Fury voice. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to give me that in a second. I'll try, I'll but, try, I'll try. Um, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. I'll try. Uh, but you've got, you've got this whole uh, a resume of stuff that's all like London, UK based now. Mm -hmm. So I thought you've been out there for a long time. I didn't realize that like, you've accomplished a lot in a short amount of time. Yeah, it's been five and, years and, now. It's been five years right. now. And I've been lucky to get to uh, have my iron in a lot of fires here. And so uh, Disney helped a lot with that because the, the, the PR machine that is Disney theatricals um, – put me in a lot of of prime positions to to be seen and to be seen not just as the genie but as trevor 
and then as well what else what else can he do and like let's let's find these things and this then there's this this blossoming voiceover thing and so that's the voiceovers have been honestly what's kept um kept me afloat through lockdown that's what's kept the lights on because it's like had those not been there and so i've been bouncing between three projects over the last year and those three which unfortunately i can't name uh, mm-hmm. But those three, I'll, once we finish rolling, I'll tell you what they are because I'm really excited about them. <laughs> okay. um, I'm really excited about them. So once we're done, I'll tell you exactly what they are. Uh, but those three projects have been uh, uh, gifts, gifts, and uh, I'm I'm really grateful for for uh, the ability to keep performing in any form. And now I get to go back to the stage. That is amazing. And out there in London, has it been sort of the same thing? I I hope the answer is yes, in that casting directors and producers have, uh, for TV and film, and Mm -hmm. now voiceovers too, have started to pull out of theater. Because in in New York especially, uh, I forget who it was, I think it was um, Dick Wolf. You know the, the CSI yeah, franchise, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Who's just like, I'm just going to cast all theater people because yeah. they're out of work right now. Mm-hmm. So you've got like all of these Broadway people who, who I'm seeing all over TV for the first time because they, the casting directors, the industry has shifted their focus to include more of them. Has that been happening out there at all? Yes, definitely. Now we haven't had like the same, the same level of. Uh, <laughs> we haven't had the same the same uh, level of exposure as some of these uh because like you had that what was it the 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 svu with like alex the, brightman. They had alex brightman and yeah. Eva, and even though it was out in the same episode it's like now this is like epic like broadway broadway nerd excitement right now like mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I was living my best life with that one so we haven't had that we haven't necessarily had that same uh level of mass exposure but yes yes ultimately yeah they've been pulling from from theater because like you have a lot of people well number one everybody Everybody has a full self-tape studio in their own house now, um, which we may not have uh, a year ago. But now everybody, at least everybody has some form of self-tape set up. Um, and so, yeah, but there's been a lot of that. But at the same time, there's a flood in the market of available talent. And so it's like it becomes difficult to book these things at the same time. So it's the entertainment industry is always going to do what it does. And that's uh, be a struggle in and of itself. But uh, it's a struggle that for a lot of us continues to be worth it. Well, I was actually, that's where I was going to take it next. I think it is it, we talk about a lot of the highs and the great stuff that's been happening. Even through the pandemic, you're finding work, but it's been a struggle. Mm. And I want to acknowledge the lows too, because you don't have highs without lows. You got to have perspective. Mm-hmm. And for you personally too, when everything kind of shut down, you've relocated to a different country. Mm-hmm. You left your family behind. You're, you're making your new chosen family out there. And it, at any point during the pandemic, are you just like, what the hell am I doing with yes. myself? And constantly, constantly, really? constantly. Um, there are multiple points where it was the 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 idea was, do I stay? Do I go back home? Uh, do I go back home? Home? Do I go back? Because I was like, I'm not going to go back to New York. There's nothing. There's nothing happening for me to go back to. So do I just go back to West Virginia, find any form of work, and hope I'm able to assemble pieces of a career back together at some point, or do I? say, well, you know what? I had a fantastic run. I got to do some wonderful things. I got to create some things that will live on past me. Um, uh, is that, is that enough? Um, and honestly, that, and oh, honestly, the biggest thing that kept me pushing was my mother before she passed. And so, cause she mm. was constantly like, well, no, she's like, this is what you, she's like, this is what you do. This is what you love. And this is what you do. And this is your career. And, and, uh, there's something, uh, Bonnie says, 
in the uh, the opening of the show, actually, where she says, uh, "Theater is not a a passion; it's a profession," and that's that's such an important thing because a lot of the times it gets looked at as like, "Well, this is just what you all enjoy doing; you enjoy showing off," and it's like that's part of it, but also we enjoy doing it because we're so good at it. Because we're so good at it. Because a lot of audience members will sit there and look at what we do and think, "Oh, I could do that." And like, there you have your your uh, your armchair performers, of course. Um, but uh, it's it's when you get out there, you realize how much time and skill and effort and commitment it takes to do it well, to do it at a level that a lot of people cannot. And so my mother was frequently reminding me of that. And so I've had to learn to remind myself of that. And my dad's tried to tried to keep that uh, that vein going since her passing. But it's um it's it's it was it was a horrible time. There were really, really dark windows where it's like there's why am I functioning? Why am I attempting to to do anything? Why am I doing this self-tape when nothing's coming in? Um, how many people am I watching leave the industry because their heart and that's fair. That's fair that they hit the point where their heart is just like, it's not in it. And if it's not, we know, we know what it takes. We know how much time and how much we give up time. We give up with family time. We give up at home. We miss birthdays. We miss holidays. We're, we're, we're barely home for Christmas. If that like it's, it's, we understand what that is. So if, especially with this last year, and with a lot of people feeling unsupported, it's 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 a justifiable exit for them to be like, I don't want to fight this fight anymore. Um, I'm lucky that I'm still in the fight as things mm -hmm. are starting to like work their way back. I feel very privileged and very lucky to still be in this fight. Um, but there were multiple points where I thought, I think I think I'm gonna toss the towel in and I think I'm done. Um, but I'm glad I'm standing here, well, sitting here physically, if, <laughs> immediately, but I'm glad I'm standing here. Uh, metaphorically. Metaphorically standing here with my, with my, um, with my contemporaries that have, have also been able to weather the storm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've said this so many times in this podcast that you're right. Everyone can look at the stage and say, oh, I can do that. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll be just as good once or twice or whatever the case is, but, but theater, Broadway and West End, you guys are the Olympians of mm. your of your craft mm. because you take it eight times a week to do it flawlessly over and over and over again. Make it fresh every time, hit those high notes every time, hit those emotional lows every time. I, I, I mean, song, song technique aside, when you're talking about the emotional depth of somebody like Elizabeth Stanley who needs to mm -hmm. go into, in Jagged Little Pill, who just needs to get down and feel you know like emotional abuse sexual abuse uh substance abuse eight times a week to feel that to put yourself to through that, that eight times a week and you're doing it because you love it but you're also doing it to provide that to that audience right because and they're there to experience that and it's I, I know i'm not the only one who feels you feel an obligation to them to give them what they what they came for like this is what you came for so here it is i'm wide open i'm as an artist i'm wide open I'm, here's the the fresh cut every night so that you can experience this mm -hmm. with me with the cast and it's when we find these stories that we attach to and that we feel in this way it makes it easier to to uh to give yourself over to it but that doesn't mean it doesn't take a toll and so that's <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And then for for you too, on the opposite end of that, Jeannie, right, has got to be this Listen. <laughs> this bigger than life character. Mm. Literally, yeah. because you know, it's not not human. You spoke to Michael so, James Scott. 
I'm sure he told you this is it was a workout. It's a workout. And he's about to start doing it again. Like he's going to dive him back in. Um, and so it's it Jeannie was was it's it's an it's an athlete's position. Like it's an athlete's position, and it's it's almost deceiving how athletic that role is. Um, and so it was something that I trained specifically to figure out how to do. Like I was like, I need to figure out how to do this eight times a week. I need to figure out how to build this up. Um, I'm still really good friends with James Miragohart, who originated it. And I was lucky enough to just speak to James and be like, listen, what do I need to anticipate? <laughs> um, and good friends with Major Attaway, who who played the genie. And of course, I know MJS. And like, it's all these amazingly talented brothers who just put all of themselves into this role, into the athleticism, into the the genuine friendship and the storytelling of it. But they're they're athletes. They're athletes. Mm-hmm. They're big, beautiful black athletes, and I love them all. <laughs> well, that that's uh, to all the people who were like, Trevor, why didn't you go into sports? You're like, I did. I did. Did you do you see what I do? Did you see what I did eight times a week for three and a half years? Yeah. Like that, you, you got you got just as much on on athletes as you know your sports. I'll put an air quotes, listen, right. Like, listen, like, listen. We were. I mean, because you're. It's genuinely the 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 triple threat role, and it's like I am singing, I am dancing, I am dancing, I am dancing, and I'm acting. And so it's like <laughs> I'm doing cartwheels and doing a kick line down the stairs while holding the high note. And so it is. The genie is, it is no joke. It is no joke. So all of you that aspire for it, keep pushing. I fully support it because uh, what you what you are capable of um, is is only limited to a certain point. And, uh, and you are able to push yourself further than you think you can. And believe me, because um, there were definitely points in the Aladdin rehearsal process where I was like, oh, I'm not going to make it. Uh, and there were points in the, in all fairness, there were points in the Hamilton uh, rehearsal process where, because it was like learning to speak a new language on stage because it very much operates in a different way than musical theater had before. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is different. This is this is a struggle. The work has to be done and the work continues to go. And that's one of the things I love about with George Washington and with Hamilton is the whole creative team, the work continues. It doesn't just stop. It's not like, okay, we've learned it now. Let's just present the show. We keep working. We keep uh, unpicking it. We keep uh, understanding the nuances of it because there's so much in there. It's impossible. Like if, even people who may have, Listen to the sound, listen to that cast recording a million times, which I know a lot of people have. Uh, there's still more to unpick when you see it. There's still, even if you've watched it on Disney Plus 50,000 times, there's still with more the to unpick with the captions on. There's still more to unpick when you go see it. There's always more to find in that because, and that's the part of the genius of the work. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it is, it's lightning in a bottle yeah. that is so phenomenal and you're right. I was going to say, I've watched it with the captions on multiple times, and every single time I'm like, oh, I've I didn't realize that lyric meant this. And mm-hmm. then the wordplay for that, mm-hmm. it's it's insane. So I I have always thought, uh, I've always been an armchair performer and was a regional theater performer mm-hmm. for a while. And and just, yeah, the, the athleticism, the commitment and the drive that it takes to get where you are. So much respect to, to you and all your peers because it ain't easy. It, it ain't, is, but we do love it. Um, and I know, and, and uh-huh. I, you tend to... You wouldn't be who you the, are without it. Yeah, 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 genuinely. And from this position, you tend to meet other people who have that same, I don't want to say the word workaholic, because I think the word workaholic is 
inflammatory in the wrong way. And I think, but I, that drive of push and it's like, that's the thing that we crave. We crave almost being overwhelmed and then overcoming it. It is an addiction in and of itself. Um, and, uh, I feel like a lot of people who perform at the top of their game in this industry have that same, that same craving and that same drive. And what we've learned in this last year is there's probably more of a need to balance that with, with the health of life itself. Um, and so, cause, cause that would have had more of a balance in that more of a balance of the life outside of the job would have provided me more space to, uh, not have the same dips potentially, um, to not possibly not have faced the same bouts of, and, and, and spells of depression and anxiety that a lot of us ran into. And part of that is we pour so much of ourselves into our identity as a performer, as an actor. And then when that's gone, like gone, gone, completely taken away without much warning. Um, okay. Who am I now? What's, what's, what's my purpose? What am I doing? What's my point? Um, and so I do, I do believe now as we return, it's a good chance to find more of a balance between those two things. Keep the drive, keep the drive, keep the, keep the, the incessant need to, uh, to almost be overwhelmed, but also breathe and have a drink with your friends every once in a while without stressing about how many shows. There's a, there's, it's, it's work-life balance and Mm. it's hard. It's hard when, when your life is your work in, in so much in I, well, I mean, performing the people who take it to this level are people who have to do it because it's who they are. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is hard to separate work and life because your life is still the need to perform and your performing is your life. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's validation, right? It's the need for attention. It's the need, whatever the case is individually for one person. So I, I really echo that like mental health, the mental health journey, my own has been uh, tremendous over the last couple of years as I started to go to therapy and discover things from my past too, that I, that I didn't know were a problem. And so I, I, I don't know how people, uh, again, respect, I don't know how you, I don't know how the people in your position maintain this when mm. they had, when you have an absolute need uh, a 100% need to do this and it makes you who you are, but literally there is no ability to do it because a pandemic shut it all down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do. It sounds impossible. <sighs> you struggle, you struggle, you struggle. And for some people, it it leads to a change in lifestyle. It leads to a change. It leads to, well, you know what? I won't return when things come back. I'm going to focus in on this family thing. I'm going to focus in on a career switch. I'm going to focus in on something else that is able to fulfill me in the now. And that's okay. And that's valid. And that's important that they're able to take those steps to give themselves that sense of fulfillment. Um, And some of us, we just struggle and we keep our fingers crossed. And uh, now it seems like we're on the cusp of getting to like, dive back in we're so close to it being like fully realized so like we have two western shows that are back that are like actually back three now i think because i think uh magic mike musical reopened as well i believe so Mm -hmm. um and everybody's talking about jamie is reopened and six is back open and like these things are back they are back they're socially distant but they're back we're going to take a short break stay tuned for more of the episode
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Um, real quick, I want to go back to the Nick Fury voice. So give me a little <laughs> Nick Fury. All right, all right. Well, well, this is Trevor Dion Nicholas, and you're listening to the Theater Podcast. I'm here with Nick Fury saying, signing off. <laughs> I hope Samuel L. Jackson, who listens to my podcast regularly, comments, comments on this and lets me know, because that was great. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> so let's wrap up. And before I get into my three standard closing questions, I just want to plug one more time. The show must go on at the Live at the Palace Theater, which is available now through Sunday the 13th. Yes, Sunday the 13th at The Shows Must Go On, youtube.com slash The Shows Must Go On. And now, so the three final standard closing questions that I ask everybody to wrap up the episodes. The first one, very simply, is what motivates you? Who... What motivates me? Um, it's 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 a, it's it's honestly it sounds so cliche, but it's a love it's a love of this. It's a love of the it's a love of the work. Um, I enjoy the dramaturgical crap in it as well. I enjoy being able to pick it apart and look at why why the why the why in the storytelling. That's what motivates me is the why in the storytelling. Also. Uh, and I can't lie, it's the, this, in theater specifically, you get, it's the immediate, um, the immediate response from an audience of them letting you know right then how they feel about the work that you've done. And they'll clap, but sometimes you know, you know they weren't really feeling it. But then when they clap and you really can tell, you can tell that you've made an impact. You can tell that you've, you've made that, that non-tangible contact with with another human being with a large group of human beings that that that's what drives me that's what motivates me that's my favorite thing about this it's the most addictive thing i've ever felt is the response from an audience not and that's why that's why it's difficult when it's like that's why it's difficult when it's been like uh, like for example a lot of theaters been filmed for people to stream and mm-hmm. it's like, it's great and it's wonderful. And I watch them as well. And like, we see these incredible productions and you see this incredible work being done. And I, but I still am like, I wish they had an audience there to let them know in that moment, in that moment, you can feel it and you know, you're going in the right direction. And in the, in the audience too, the going on a shared emotional journey with mm-hmm. a room full of strangers mm-hmm. is one of my favorite things about mm-hmm. theater, because for that half an hour, hour, two hours, however long it is. You are, you're all in the same, you're all heading in the same direction. Yes. 
Yes. It's the same thing with going to the movies. The same thing with going to a concert. You get pulled in with the group. That group, there's something human about that. There's something really human and interesting about that. The way that we connect to other groups of people uh, when we're having stories told, when we're taking in entertainment, the way that we enjoy being entertained, going to stand-up comedy. It's a completely different feeling when you're watching stand-up comedy at home. I'm a big stand-up comedy fan. When you're watching it at home, you enjoy it. But there's a big difference when you're there in a room with other people. When you're there in a room with other people and you start, there's this joint, again, this like the the, the souls and the spirits start like high-fiving each other and stuff. So it's like <laughs> that, 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 all of that. All of that is the passion. All right. So then the next question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Ooh, um, now it'd be different. It'd be different now from a year ago. Um, and now I would say, uh, of course, put as much of yourself as you can into, into what you do um, and the love of it and the passion for it and the professionalism of it. Um, but also keep that work-life balance. Keep that work-life balance and hold on to other pieces of yourself that aren't just the job, that aren't just the gig. Um, I'd also say to anybody, anybody who wants to come into the business, get very comfortable with a no. Get very comfortable with a no. Get hyper-comfortable with a no because there's a lot more no's than yeses. And it makes the yeses worthwhile. But at the same time, if you hit the point where the no's are too much and it hurts too much, it is okay to walk away. You should never feel shamed or or any type of guilt about not being able to hang when because uh, we all have a different threshold of of um, of being turned down uh, with with what we do with what we care mm-hmm. about so much. And so that would be my my double advice: hold on to the work life balance and uh, find your comfort level with the nose. I love that. All right. So the last question, this is mm-hmm. super hard. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? This is very easy. Little Shop of Horrors. It's my favorite show of all time. It's my favorite Thank show. You. The 1986 film is my favorite. Like I, I am Little Shop of Horrors obsessed, obsessed. I love that. I love it more than anything else. I, I know that I know they're remaking the film and I know I really want to play the plant. I know I'm not going to get to, it's going to be like CeeLo Green or something, but I really want to play the plant. I'm just putting it out there. Um, But no, like they, they are, yeah, that is my, that is my, that's my one. I love little shop more than anything else. Oh, I love that. Easy, right. gonna, easy answer. Are you going to are you going to come over to Broadway to see or come over to New York to see it off Broadway? I want to. I really want to. I'm hoping once things are back up and running and I get like time to take a little vacation, I can pop over and see it because I haven't gotten to. And so, yeah. I mean, that's it's sold out now. I think for months from yeah. what I've heard, as so. it should be, as, as it, it should, should be. be. Right, right. Cool. Well, you can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. Show your support and help the theater podcast keep its lights on at thetheaterpodcast.com/slash Patreon. Of course, find me online on Instagram and Twitter, theater underscore podcast. Drop me a message. Let me know you're listening. I love to read everything that gets sent in. Leave a rating, leave a review, like it, share it wherever you are listening right now. Tell a friend. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. Trevor, thank you most of all. This has been such an amazing conversation. No. Thank you for being genuine. Thank you for being just available. And uh, and I cannot wait to come to London and consummate yes. this speed dating virtual relationship yes, and yes, give yes. you give you a big old hug. I know. I want like, a real <laughs> hug. Like when we meet, when we meet. Now, now, barring some brand new variant that nobody's talked about yet, when we meet, I am committing to a full on hug, like a full hug. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting that out there to, to the world right now. 
that All I'm right. committing to a full-on hug when we actually get to meet in person. All right. I am down for that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.